Welcome to Top 10 Thursdays with us, Sean Lemmy, John Otney, and Colin Westman. This week we're talking about music from the 1970s. A crazy era in American history. What was going on in the year 1970, guys? You should ask that. You're going to look really stupid. Like Vietnam stuff? Yeah, mostly Vietnam stuff. Uh, the movie Patton? Yeah, I was just going to say the movie Patton, because apparently neither of us can name any other movies from 1970. Uh, we like to Ma- start things. Mash, <laughs> the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mash. Sure. <laughs> Speaking of TV shows, Mad Men's back. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I don't know if it's crazy. Uh, I think we all. I think we all knew it was coming back. It. It's yeah. been advertised heavily. Yeah. A lot of people saying like end of an era. Mm-hmm. And at least it is the end of our uh, 60s annual album list. Although I guess there are still s- several years of the 60s we didn't ever do. Those years weren't as cool. Yeah, they didn't have Vietnam or MASH. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did have Vietnam. <laughs> yeah, they had the country of Vietnam. But there wasn't as much shit going down in it. it yeah, Forrest Gump hadn't signed up yet. Yeah. That's when everything turned. <laughs> everything turned to shit. <laughs> Albums of 1970. Yeah, no need to really beat around the bush on this one, I'm sure. We'll have a lot to say about uh, every single one of these albums, including the ones that we can't even nominate. So uh, what are these honorable mentions we've got this time? I guess these are just all from me. Um, yeah, this is a really good year for music. I feel like pretty much all of the 70s were really great years for the album. And uh, let's see, a few that we won't be talking about in depth. The Grateful Dead put out American Beauty, which at this point, I don't really have much use for The Grateful Dead. There was a little period where I got into them for a while and I didn't even do any drugs while getting into them. But uh, American Beauty is the one where I'm like, yeah, it's still a good album. I'd put it on and listen to it. You know, none of the songs are more than like three or four minutes. It's just them like actually writing <laughs> songs sort of in like a country folk mold, I guess. And then another one is the MC5 put out back in the USA, which is one I didn't actually get into until last time we did one of these podcasts when we talked about uh kick out the jams last year i was like maybe i should check out the one they did after that's actually a studio album and back in the usa is really really good uh i might even like it better than kick out the jams it's just like the same thing but a lot tighter and uh it's good uh the stooges uh the MC5's Detroit Brethren also put out Funhouse, which is like maybe the purest Stooges album in that it's just like super loud and intense and punky and awesome. But I feel like I never really make it past like the first three or four tracks of that album just because it just like comes out of the I gate. I feel the same way. Yeah, like it comes out of the gate so heavy and 
just like blasting in your face that like you kind of get exhausted <laughs> after those first few songs which are kind of perfect it's just like oh, I don't know if I need any more of this and then Van Morrison put out Moondance which was like his first sort of foray into doing his kind of R&B soul sound and it's pretty awesome it's got a few of his more famous songs like Caravan and Moondance and there's one other big one I'm forgetting whatever <laughs> proud knows. to be an American yeah <laughs> or at least he knows he's free even though he's not an American but whatever uh, Harry Nilsson was an American and he put out an album called Nilsson Sings Newman which I briefly mentioned on our last podcast so I don't I already talked about it why do I need to talk about it even more but it's good it's another great uh, display of him just being an amazing vocalist who could do lots of different things with his voice in interesting ways and also you know they're the songs of Randy Newman who I'm also a big fan of anyways John did you have any honorable mentions I'd like to give a shout out to Adam Hart Mother by Pink Floyd I've never heard it but I like the album cover <laughs> is that the cow one it's the cow one. Okay. <laughs> What's that cow doing there? Yeah. Uh, I've never heard it see. either, but um, it's, it's a good album cover. <laughs> I think there's a Credence album that wasn't as good as the one we're talking about. Yeah, Pendulum? Yeah. The other one it's called. And I guess there's also a Black Sabbath album that's not as good. Oh, yeah. The that first one's one. pretty good. It is pretty good. definitely better. Yeah. Well, I guess it wouldn't be one of these podcasts without us talking once again about the Beatles. This time, let it be. I've got a feeling, a feeling deep inside, oh yeah, oh yeah. final album or at least the final one that was ever released well yeah what? <laughs> what are you saying there's a secret album that they never let out well let it be was recorded uh before abbey road and they were like eh, f- fuck fuck this let's go just do another album let's have someone else worry about it while we go record abbey road and I guess they called in Phil Spector to make sense of the Let It Be sessions. And I guess it took a while, because it didn't come out till 1970. I'm going to believe there's a secret album. <laughs> <laughs> Red Submarine. God, that'd be so sweet. And of course, they could only get one person to produce it. John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is this scenario? <laughs> I got John Wayne to hang out with the Beatles. He like just corners them in a room and points a gun at him and tries to get him to play music that's not for sissies. Yeah. So it's like just a bunch of cowboy songs. I don't know if the Beatles could write very good cowboy songs. Are you saying Ringo couldn't write a good 
Actually, no, he could not. I, I, guess, I mean, he's got a few country-ish songs, I guess. Yeah, but are they, like, really good? Nah. They're okay. No. Okay, they're okay. <laughs> I don't think Ringo did anything on Let It Be, right? He's just hanging I'm, out. I mean, besides play drums. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even play drums. That was just Paul. Yeah. I'd Let It Be... The first thing that comes to my mind, just personally, is across the universe, just because we played it at our high school graduation. And what I mean by we is me, Colin, Nancy, Big Bill, uh, Dixon, whatever his name was. McKenny. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with what I said. Okay. Um, I do also remember like, us, you know, we're playing it. This was a we were. At, Wamu? There were other people also that you did. There are other people. <laughs> Nick Duncan, AJ. Tim Leckley. Tim. Oh, yeah, Tim. That was a big Gosh, band. remember how, like, Tim, like, made up his own guitar part? Yeah. He kinda, and, it, like, he's, like, trying to be the edge or something. Kind of fudged it in the performance. And he messed up his verse. Yeah. <laughs> if we had another, you know, if that band would have stayed together, we would have, like, had, like, oh, I think when you talk about getting Tim out of the band. <laughs> The, the big bill band the big bill band i saw that video still on youtube sean your dad's channel yeah it's hard to find though because the o's are zeros instead of yeah he was o. really afraid of copyright coming for him <laughs> well he did a damn good job of avoiding it it's still up there and it's been you know quite a while now yeah i don't think there's actually any copyright laws against covering a song i think he, he would have been fine anyway not yet <laughs> He's looking ahead, Sean. There's gonna be. Very future-proof. wanted to preserve this video for future generations, even though they'll just see that it's in 240p, and they'll be like, no, fuck this. <laughs> but that's a good song. There's a lot of good songs in here that were just kind of assembled, I guess, from a big pile of recording sessions. It's kind of amazing that it works, because it's like, it seems like it was an album that they just kind of recorded and they're like pissed off at each other and just kind of gave up and yet phil specter like puts it all together and it's like like a great album i don't know how that happened i guess the beatles are just that good, just that good. of songwriters <laughs> where they could quit an album and it's still amazing because some of these are i think i love like two of us and i mean mine and i mean obviously let it be um Got a feeling. Sean's favorite Beatles song. My favorite right? Beatles it's, a good, song. it's a good choice. Rocks more than a lot of the Beatles during this period. You guys ever see the Let It Be movie? I haven't. It's pretty hard to see. I, I, it is on VHS, and uh, I think you can rent it at Scarecrow Video in Seattle, but it's like it's like $250 rental or something. <laughs> Well, I thought it was like you have to put down $250, but they'll give it back. They'll give it back. But, like, if you damage that tape, you just pay $250 for it. God, that's pretty intense. But I saw it on the internet, um, like, a couple years ago, and I kind of understand why they didn't release it, because they're just, like, yelling. It's basically Paul McCartney just kind of yelling at everybody. Mm Mm-hmm. John Lennon doesn't even seem like he's like, he, like even cares what's going on. It's mostly Paul McCartney yelling at George Harrison. If you can believe that, like happening, I can. I mean, it sounds like Paul was kind of the over controlling 
dude in the Beatles, and at that point, you know, everything was falling apart, so I guess he probably just felt, like, overwhelmed and just like, I gotta, I gotta keep things together. <laughs> Only way I can do it is by yelling at George, because he'll actually listen to me. He's just like, you're not playing how it's supposed to be played, and he's just like, oh, I can't, I don't know if I can do George. I've heard you do George once on this podcast. I've done it before, but now I'm drawing a blank. I just remember you were talking about him writing the song Piggies. It'll come naturally later in the podcast. I, I don't want to force it. It'll get, I'll get too nervous and it'll come out wrong. Um, but he's basically like, you know, I don't give a shit. Like I'll, I'll play whatever you want me to play. And if you don't even want me to play in the song, I don't care either. Like he didn't even care. Like, it's like, I don't even care if I'm on the song. Just let's get it done. Like, it's so weird. Cause George is like Mr. Nice guy. And even he's getting like pushed to the edge. I mean, I think the thing is Paul McCartney is like the only person who had any drive to get it done. So that's, yeah, that's the reason that it was so stressful, but it's kind of interesting. They're like working on other songs too, that aren't on let it be like there there's a part where i swear they were working on like i think what was it octopus's garden Mm -hmm. like george is teaching ringo how to write a song (laughs) (laughs) because you know everyone always says george harrison basically wrote that song ringo just wrote the words because the words are so good in that (laughs) so good but a movie aside great album that stripped down when they made two. I thought that was cool. Um, I don't know if I like it better. I said I did back in the day because, like, Paul McCartney's just like, "Oh, look, this is a better album." But um, I and plus it also has. Uh, they added another song on it, didn't they? They added uh, "Don't Let Me Down." That's a good addition. It is a good addition, and, and took out "Dig It." I know one of and Maggie May Ringo's <laughs> few writing credits. I'm seeing that now. Um, but, I mean, the production, like, I think of, what is it? Um, I Me Mine has strings on it, right? It's, like, super cool. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. It's the only word to describe it. <laughs> That's what they should have called the album. Super cool. <laughs> it's just the same album cover, but they're all wearing sunglasses. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that now. Like, like that's not just changing to super cool. <laughs> that's gonna be like a thing. You're gonna see people with those t-shirts. Super cool. Yeah, this is definitely among my uh, favorite Beatles albums. Somehow, as wrong as I guess that's supposed to be, I really like listening to this one. And like you guys said, I've got a feeling it's my favorite Beatles song. I'm on the record. I guess that's permanent for life now. Can't go back on that. Can't get back. Ah, oh, nice. That was super cool. <laughs> <laughs> Can someone make a gif where that has that album cover and all the sunglasses come down? It's a super cool deal with it. All right, should we move on? Sure. Try not to get too scared or too paranoid with Black Sabbath. Paranoid. Colin, did you ever get into like a serious Black Sabbath thing? Like pretty serious. Mm, I don't know if I ever got that serious, 
they're just, I feel like they're just different times of my life where I'm like, yeah, I, I could use some Sabbath right now. I just need something super heavy. And I definitely got into this album, I guess more than the other ones, which <laughs> I guess like most people do. It's got all the, I think so. I don't think the there's that hits. much of a debate. Yeah. I mean, there probably is between the first two, but no. Dude, this one has all the hits. And it's even got... Like, even the songs that aren't as well-known are super cool. Like, Hand of Doom is, like, my favorite Sabbath song. Just that oh, fucking so bass sick. line and, like... Whatever you would even call that drum beat, it's almost like a hip-hop beat or something. It's super awesome. <laughs> like, that's kind of, like, the thing I love about Sabbath that I feel like not enough metal bands who were influenced by Sabbath focused on was like the rhythm section like the bass yeah. playing and the drumming is like it's almost like jazzy or something it's super like intricate and syncopated and it has like a awesome groove to it but most metal bands just zeroed in on the fact that it's like oh the guitars are really heavy let's just do that make songs that are heavy and everything else is super dumb and simplified Oh, yeah. I feel like Henry Rollins on the uh, classic albums episode of this does a pretty good job of describing like how awesome that rhythm section is and like how just on top of it they are. I think, oh, what song would that be? I guess it's an Iron Man. How there's that part that just goes Do you know what part I'm referring to? Of course. Where it's like it fast and it just like goes back and forth, but it's like so tight and just like it's like this is like a groove. This isn't even like metal. Like I I think jazz is like a perfect um thing to compare it to. I mean, but it's still like super dark, like everything's too down, like super, super low. Basically because like Tommy Omi like doesn't have fingers or you know. It's not exactly accurate. What was the deal with that? I've never really read up on that. Yeah, no. um, Like, the day he was going to quit his job at, like, a sheet metal type place, he chopped off the tip of his uh, his, uh, two, I guess, tallest fingers. (laughs) That's a weird way of putting it. I guess the middle ones? (laughs) Yeah, like, his middle finger and his pointer finger. Like, the tips got chopped off. Mm -hmm. So, he's like, well, I can't play guitar anymore. But then someone, like, showed him... uh, Django Reinhardt, uh, like album, and you know Django Reinhardt, famous guitarist who played with two fingers because the rest of his hand was like paralyzed in a fire. <sighs> That's terrifying. I don't know how that happens. Anyways, uh, so to- Tommy, I can't even fucking remember his name. Tommy. <laughs> Clearly, I'm a huge fan. Tommy. I Tommy. Can't remember, <laughs> I can't remember Tommy. either. If it's Tony, I think or it's Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> Go with Tony Tommy. To- I liked Toby. <laughs> I'm on the Wikipedia right now. Why the fuck can I not just read the- Tony. Tony? Okay, Tony Iommi. Um, fashioned like these little kind of like fake fingertips. Kind of like, I think they're wood or, or maybe a kind of plastic. And they put them over his fingers. And then uh, since he couldn't apply as much pressure, he tuned his guitar down like super low. So it sounds like super like scary. It's <laughs> just dark. And he's just an interesting guitar player, like, aside from that, too. Like, all his solos, I feel like he leaves, like, a lot of, like, open notes, so it, it, it sounds really powerful. They're never, like, dinky, mm-hmm. which is... You never want to sound dinky when you're in, like, a, a band that only has three instruments, basically, like, drums, bass, and guitar. Like, when those solos come in, you don't want to, like, lose too much. And he does a good job, I think, of, like, 
almost keeping a rhythm to his solos, which is really cool. Now you got to check out those classic album. I say I said those classic album episodes because they do two albums in one episode. I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen most of those documentaries. But they do the first album and they do Paranoid, I guess because they were both done the same year. And they both reflected their live sets at the time, which is cool. It's like, let's just go in and record a whole live show and it, you know, will take like a day. (laughs) And it's also interesting because like Ozzy Osbourne, for as much as like a brain dead burnout as that guy is, is like really modest and kind of humble in a way. Like he's always talking about how like, oh, I'm a really terrible singer. I'm terrible at everything, but my bandmates are so good. <laughs> They're like old man Jake. <laughs> Guess. Old man Jake. But it's like he he just talks about how great the other members of the band are and how he's like not very talented. But he, I mean, he is. It just it's nice to see that he doesn't have much of an ego. Uh, just like a little side note there. He's, he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. He pissed on the Alamo, but he's a good guy. <laughs> Is he a good guy? I mean, didn't he kill animals on stage? I mean, I don't feel like you can blame people for doing that in the heat of the moment. I feel like he just didn't. Bit... Alice Cooper bite out the head off of something. I too, feel like but... that was Ozzy that bit the head off a of bat okay. like once. I don't think he killed animals on stage. Yeah, it's not like they took a chicken up there and crucified it. I bet they wanted to, though. And, like, there's a guy that's like, just, there's the Grim Reaper, but he's dressed like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> he's like some weird combo of the two. <laughs> that it's like, it's like, it's just like satirical. Yeah. But, uh, he didn't even write the words. The bass player wrote all the words to their songs. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that. And Ozzy's talking about how, like, most of the time he couldn't even come up with a melody, so he'd just sing the guitar part, you know. And if you think about it, like Iron Man, yeah, or Paranoid, he's just singing to the the other instruments. And he's like, "Okay, come off melody, I'm all back on music." But <laughs> I don't know, it works for him. <laughs> I'll stop doing Ozzy Osbourne impressions. <laughs> If you guys could even understand any of that. Understood a little bit. Uh, this is so pathetic in your version. <laughs> I can't do anything. I'm, I'm terrible. Why am I living? I kind of make it sound like he doesn't have like any confidence. No, he's like the biggest mope <laughs> ever. What's Tommy gonna think? <laughs> I'm afraid of Tommy yells at me. <laughs> he's so mean. Uh, yeah, good stuff. And some of the other albums are like kind of worth checking out. That's why, like I was saying, like I got into a serious thing where like I listened to like a lot, like more than I should have. But yeah. you realize pretty quickly that there's not that many good albums. <laughs> there's maybe like three good ones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, if you guys want to move ahead, yeah. Something a little less heavy. Cat uh, Stevens' "Tea for the Tiller Man."
Which I didn't learn until today that Cat Stevens is the one who drew that little gnome guy on the front. I guess he had like an art school background or something. I'm guessing. That's a very good one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing he painted or drew some of his other album covers since they seem like they're in a similar style. Um, this album's just like super pleasant. It's definitely one that I usually return to around this time of year. It's a, it's a definite spring album for me. But I don't have too many of those. So, uh, yeah. John, so when you, yeah, favorite song on the album? Favorite song, Wild World. Okay. Not a, a good, like, original choice. Yeah. But <laughs> it's just my favorite. That's fine. Mine's probably a father and son. It's super emotional. And it was cool because I bought this album on vinyl. And like in the lyric notes, it like shows that the song is being kind of sung from two different perspectives. And it like tells which lyrics are from the father's point of view and which is from the son. And there's a certain point where like the two are singing over each other. And also the Flaming Lips, I guess, ripped off that song for Fight Test. It had like a similar melody or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they got sued by Cat Stevens. Well, that's all I know about this album. Checking out now. That's not all you know. Oh, and the other song was the end credits to uh, Extras. There you go. And Now that's all you know. Okay, and when we're on that subject... Bring tea for the tiller man, steak for the sun? Like, how does that work? He's just going to sip tea while little sunny boy here gets a whole steak? He didn't even do anything. Tiller man's out there tilling. I think you're taking it too literally. (laughs) It can't just mean straight up that, right? Or maybe it can. I don't know. Are you saying it's like sun like the sun? Uh, Yeah, it is like the sun. I'm looking at the back of this... (laughs) <laughs> album's lyrics it is sun like sunshine steak for the sun how does that steak make for sense the sun. i don't know i'm not sure that resolved any of my issues because if, <laughs> if it was sun like like a boar like my boar at first i could imagine like like the tillerman's got to work so hard um and, and he like earns whatever wait does anyone first did, hold on does anyone know what a tillerman is no okay anyway i assume it's a <laughs> british thing <laughs> Okay, so back to what I was saying. The Tiller Man's working so hard, and then he earns that stake, but, you know, he gives it to his son because, like, his son, it's just like a little boy. It's like a little kid, you know? It's like he gives him the nice things while the Tiller Man takes the simple things. But obviously that's not what it means at all because it's about this fucking sun in the sky. Should we move on? <laughs> sure. Okay. Let's move on to Credence Clearwater Revival Cosmos Factory. I feel like they were doing a run of albums that had a usually had a few hits on them, but I feel like this is the one where it's just like basically all hits. It's like a, it's like a greatest hits. Except for the two long songs that maybe aren't that necessary. I don't know. Ramble Tamble's okay, but their 11-minute version of I Heard It Through the Grapevine 
kind of keeps this album from being pretty much perfect, but that's okay. It's just, just seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> just had to jam, I guess. Even though, who goes to Creed's Clearwater Revival for jamming? I mean, their solos are so simplistic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like learning how to play guitar solos. <laughs> I mean, no offense, John Fogarty. He makes them as simple as they need to be. I'm sure he could make them more complicated, but he chooses not to. I just feel like he always tried, like, wanted to restrain himself because he's like, that's what we need to do. Uh, I always, this album, in my mind, was always, like, the more uh, bluesy one. But I don't know. They're all pretty bluesy. I don't know why that, and that was how this one sat in my head but um, looking at the track listing now I don't think I agree with that <laughs> oh, all sorts of good songs oh, looking out my back door I always thought that song sounded like cat dog you know what I'm saying <laughs> I never thought about it but I do know what you're saying is that like slide or steel guitar I guess yeah. I don't even know what it is the dwing 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 that just sounds like music from cat dog <laughs> Yeah, I don't even remember what the cat dog theme sounded like, but it seems like it's something similar to that. Cat dog, cat dog, alone in this world, little cat dog. Yeah, okay. How come that mashup hasn't happened yet? Because it'd be too easy. That's why. Yeah. Is that why it'd be too easy? It'd be too easy. Uh... You guys got a favorite song from this album? Because this album has my favorite Credence song. Long... I'll let you go first, Sean. Unless my... you were going to go call I was going to say it, but then you interrupted me. I'm sorry. Me. We'll keep it a mystery for now. I, I want the suspense alive. All right. Uh, I'll go first. Okay. I think I'll go with Who'll Stop the Rain. So good. Yeah. I remember we did that Rain podcast, or Top Rain songs. And it was number one, tied with that other one, Who Will Stop the Rain. I mean, all Credence songs are like the same song. That's not, There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, I would probably go with Looking Out My Back Door. But since we already talked about it, I'll go with Run Through the Jungle. Just, just to mix it up. Yeah. It's, it's, a little, it's a little threatening. It's a little dangerous. Uh, mine is Long As I Can See the Light. I like me some world weariness in my songs. That one's got quite a bit of it. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, good choice. Just, just great. That string of albums they had from like 1968 to like 1970. I guess this is the last good one. Yeah, it's not a lot of years, but it was a lot of albums. It's fucking insane. I remember when we did the '69 podcast, we did three albums in one year. It's like, man, that'd be so uh, cool if there was a band like that nowadays that so, came out with three awesome albums in one year. So they had five albums in the time frame I just gave. Yeah. That's fucking insane. And, how many albums and they're all they the best total? ones. There's, I think there's only, how many, there's seven Credence albums? Maybe. You would know. You're the expert. I have the box set yeah. and it like looks like it actually would, but it's not. But it looks like it, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, there were seven. Um, they all came out between 1968 and 1972. 
four years. Yeah. The last one's pretty bad. It's the only one that's just bad because the other members of the band are like, we want to write and sing songs. <laughs> and John Forge's like, they're going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> and then they did. They don't write any good songs. <laughs> and plus his brother, the um, Tom Fogarty, the rhythm guitarist, quit by that time. So he's not even on it. And he, they didn't have that rhythm holding him down. Everything fell apart. You gotta be strong. Stay together. So, those two guys, the, the bass player and drummer, are they still doing Creed's Clearwater Revisited? Yeah. Like, who sings? Is it just some guy? Yeah, some guy. Okay. Probably like their, one of their nephews. Uh-huh. So he's same as a younger guy. That's so weird if you think about it. Who would want to see that other than someone who's been tricked? (laughs) Maybe someone who's just like, you know, I really only liked Credence for the rhythm section. They're holding it down. (laughs) It's Henry Rollins or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I feel like they're not very impressive rhythm section. Yep. But they're good guys. Maybe. Uh, it doesn't seem like it since they're just trying to cash in on yeah. everything John Fogarty did. Yeah, you could probably say Credence was like, in a way, a solo project. Yeah. With a backing band. I mean, John Fogarty did everything. He did all the backup vocals. He did all the solos, all the singing. Literally. Those other guys were and, holding it down. Literally anyone could have played those bass and drum parts. Oh, yeah. Those guys just hit the jackpot. Those jackpots aren't as big anymore, though. Now they're just jackpots in casinos. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the only way they can break even nowadays. The cosmic circle. Holy shit. I'm reading about Tom Fogarty's last words on Wikipedia. Is this, like, do you, is this something you guys know about? No. I don't think so. Uh, apparently... The last words he ever spoke were to his brother, John Fogarty, and he said, Saul Zance is my best friend, which devastated John because Zance was the chief of Fantasy Records and John's enemy. Holy shit. That's fucking cold. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I know they held a grudge in the later years, but I didn't know that it went to his deathbed. Ugh. Poor guy. It's, it's like if Jesus said, Satan is my friend. <laughs> you think, what do you say? <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. Like, no one could clearly hear what Jesus said <laughs> right as he went. Satan is my best friend. He either said, Satan is my best friend, or Satin is my finest... Blend. Blend. Thread. <laughs> blend. <laughs> oh, fine blend of Satin. It's not where I imagined the conversation <laughs> going. Let's talk about uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. It's deja vu. One morning I woke up. And I knew it all. A new day, a new way. 
guess I made my peace with Crosby, Stills, Nash, and just just those three on the last podcast of this sort, where I was just like, you know, these guys are fine. It's just David Crosby doesn't write good songs. Right. And that's kind of how I feel on this album, too. I like pretty much all of it, except for his two crummy songs. You don't even like his songs on this album? Not really. Wait, wait, wait. You don't like Deja Vu? Not really. You don't like Almost Cut My Hair? Not really. I love Deja Vu. If I ever said that. Yeah, it's just some hippie bullshit to me. I should not have said that. No thanks. Braver man. No, they're awesome. I always thought of us kind of like that should yuck. See, Sean is the leader of the podcast and the main voice, so he's he's obviously Stephen Stills. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm Graham Nash because I can sing high and I like shitty British pop music. <laughs> Does that make me David Crosby? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Nancy's never here and doesn't give a fuck, so he's Neil Young. <laughs> so I'm David <laughs> Crosby. You love guns and you wish you were in Hook, so I guess that makes you David Crosby. Great. I'm sorry. Hey, he's a great actor. Look, like you. He seems like father. a good guy. He's he's a good singer, but he's it's not that good a songwriter. He's just too fucking serious. I, I I get where you're coming from, but I I do happen to like his songs on this one. Um, I do like. It's probably also cut my hair. Probably also coming from the place of me being a Birds fan too, and I love the album Younger Than Yesterday by the Birds, but. Like, David Crosby's two songs on the album are not very good either. Right. Honestly, I think Neil Young's kind of the weaker uh, entity on this album. Not that his stuff is bad. I just think I just they're not as memorable in my mind. I really like the song "Helpless." That's like one of my favorite Neil Young songs. I can't remember the other one, the country thing. See, you can't even remember. Okay, well, I like the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think Stephen Stills is probably the best member of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Just like Sean's the best member of the podcast? Well, I mean, Terrible. no one's going to refute that. But <laughs> uh, I think Graham Nash gets props for teacher children on this one. It's definitely the one that all the uh, very, very grown people at the Crosby, Stills, and Nash concerts i've been to <laughs> just two ones. Yeah. light up for they they really love that song <laughs> something about getting a little older teach your children just becomes the song yeah it's funny it i feel like a lot of people have like really taken that song to heart i don't like the uh cover art but that's kind of just par for the course for csn it like it's like when you go to the fair and then you, you're like, well, let's get our picture taken in the Old West booth. And then you're like, where am I actually going to put this? And then you just, like, ends up in a closet. You guys ever do one of those? Uh, I've never really gone to fairs. I've been to, like, one or two, but I was super uh, we young. we got to go to the fair, Con. It's great. You get your picture taken, you eat cotton candy, you see Frankie Valley, you go home. It just seems like a really outdated thing for this day and age to, like... Put out a fair. Maybe they're fun. I don't know. As I said, <laughs> I haven't been to one since I was in the single digits. I've not heard the album Live It Up by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, but it has pretty sweet album artwork of people 
uh, I guess off screen, uh, roasting hot dogs in the nothingness of space. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so funny is when you said that, I was like, which one is that? But then you said hot dogs, and I'm like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> It's just like, yeah, it's a bunch of sticks with hot dogs on it, and and it's on the moon, and you can see Earth. And it says, live it up, in a classy cursive font. I don't know. Did you happen to stumble across the one for daylight again while you're looking through artwork? I'll look it up right now. It's from 1982. (laughs) Shit! Okay. Um, Well, we have three flying saucers. Uh, really into space, I guess. And they're hovering over some. Uh, I'm gonna go with vaguely uh, like Indian building, uh, <laughs> carved into a mountainside. Why three? I guess Crosby, Stills, and Nash—they each got their own ship because they're all pretty overweight. Well, not Graham Nash. <laughs> You're saying they couldn't all fit into the same spaceship. <laughs> they were so fat. That's the reason. That's like, I want my own space. I'm just too fat. <laughs> but continue, if you have more to add to that. Well, and then the interesting choice they made was, instead of just making that the art, they've like put that in a frame, and then there's like a blue aura behind it, and... And, and then the Crosby, Stills, and Nash part's like a cheap neon sign hanging above this painting of UFOs. What is on this album? Nothing. I don't think anyone ever needs to hear anything past that album from 1977. And even that one I don't really like. The one just called CSN? And they're just like on a boat. Yeah. Yeah, they should have stuck with just the hanging out album covers. They went downhill, yes. Is from hanging out to f- being too fat to fly together in the same spaceship. Oh, God, these are all terrible. These album covers. Hot dogs, though. <laughs> I appreciate the humor. Yeah, they know what's up. They know what everyone's know. thinking. What were they eating when they are in those UFOs? Ah, continuation. I didn't think about that. Okay, that was about what went weird places. Another album that doesn't go weird places, that was poorly worded, is Derek and the Dominoes with Layla. title please i did not write it so i don't remember it, i believe it is layla and other assorted love songs it's like a box of chocolates because those are assorted you don't get all yeah. the same chocolates just go. like on this album you don't just get layla 14 times <laughs> wouldn't be so bad i have a pretty clear memory of hearing this album for the first time when i was taking driver's ed <laughs> and uh driving the car with my dad and we went to the music store 
I don't remember which one. And I picked this up, and I was just cruising in uh, in my car, and then I didn't get my license for another two years. But I still have fond memories of putting that in the car and driving around to it, even though I'm sure I was stressing out. Because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to drive a car. But uh, I, def- I have a very vivid memory of, of having this in my car a lot. And just hearing all these guys work together, because they're such a great diverse uh, collection of, of dudes, solid dudes. Can you name all of them? Um, it's, I feel like well, I can it's, name it's, most of them. Well, first is God, Eric Clapton. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he goes by God. A.K.A. Derek um, Domino. Derek Domino, yes. King Domino. Derek Plan, Eric King Domino. We're just going to keep piling on the big names. <laughs> EC. Uh, and I remember Bobby Whitlock. Uh, yeah. And he was someone I was not familiar with before this. I mean, why would I be? And he's great. He does a lot of great backup vocals. He sings lead on a handful of songs. Actually, I thought I read once. I'm not sure if this is true. That he had like more songwriting credits on the album, but they like took his name off a couple, so Eric Clapton would have more. <laughs> like anyone who you would even like notice, it just seems weird. Um, but obviously, he's a big part of the group. And then, uh, of course, everyone knows Jim Gordon because yep. Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> Commissioner Jim Gordon, uh, because uh, sadly he uh, did eventually go commission crazy. his own mind. Could not commission his own mind, and he killed his mother, and I believe he's still in some sort of institution. Just like all Batman and, characters, eventually. And then Carl Rattle on bass, and if I recall, he's just like a guy strung together on so many drugs. <laughs> and, of course, Dwayne Allman with his sliding guitars that are like really high-sounding, but they're like super unique. I can't think of any other guitars that sound like that. Sounds super awesome. Also, Dwayne Allman, a nominee for one of the worst Wikipedia profile pictures you can find. <laughs> it's just him yawning on stage, I guess, with his eyes closed. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he's he fell asleep during a solo. <laughs> he's yawning. Just like getting into it. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was such a good nap. How... You're gonna say Colin for uh, that <laughs> anecdote. I was just gonna say I really love the song uh, "Keep On Growing" because it's got that extended solo at the end where Clapton and Dwayne Allman are just like going at it, and like you think that wouldn't work, like two guys just soloing their balls off at the same time, but it does. It sounds super cool. <laughs> What? <laughs> he said soloing their balls off. Yeah, I did. It's like... Why do I even fucking talk? Never mind. Okay, you want to move on? <laughs> Already? <laughs> Sean's put me in a bad mood with that. I'm sorry. I was. I did not laugh. Sean's tried to break up the band. I know. Of us as friends. But all things must pass. <laughs> George Harris. You don't need a love man. You don't need no better You don't need a heart as your foot of mic. Unless you're in. If you open up your heart. Didn't the guys from Derek and the Domino like f- kind of meet each other on this album? Whoa, they are on this album, aren't they? 
Yeah. That's, whoa, dude, you blew my mind. I, this is news I just read about like a couple days ago. I think I think I probably heard that like once, but <laughs> there's so many people on this album that I forgot. That's true. Like everyone's on this album. Except, except for Dwayne Allman, I don't think he's on this album. Oh no, yeah, that's very sad. Uh, even Phil Collins, <laughs> like he, what he was like, what twelve? <laughs> I mean, was George Harrison just like, there's something in this boy tonight? <laughs> he is the chosen one. It just says he plays percussion. Okay. Uh, but of course, all things must pass. Uh, if, if you're a Beatles fan, you know that. George Harrison uh, only got like two songs per album back when he was in the Beatles. So by 1970, he'd basically amassed like nine million songs. And uh, so he released this album, which is like 45 million minutes long. It uh, spans uh, 8,000 eight tracks. But I mean, there's so much good stuff on here. And great work by Phil Spector. I mean, maybe he went a little too far in some places, but, I mean, Phil Spector has taken many things in life a little too far. Uh, do you think, Colin, do you think, like, there's a couple songs that are almost, like, too big, or are you just all about it? Yeah, I feel like there were a few, like, listening back to it this week that I was like, eh, could have toned it down a bit, but I can't remember any offhand. I still feel like I haven't listened to this album as much as I should. Maybe just because it is so daunting, the, the length of it. So it's, it's a like triple album. Yeah, I only end up listening to it every once in a while, but I always enjoy it. Man, I usually don't make it through the Apple Jam part of it. No one does. The that, by that part, it's not even. They're just like dicking around for the last thirty minutes. Yeah. Um. But there's so many songs in here I love. I think my favorite actually is Awaiting on You All, even though I think that one uh, is one of the songs that takes it too far in production. Like, it sounds like it was, like, recorded in a school gymnasium. <laughs> there's just so much, like, reverb, and it just... It's a great song, but it sounds really big. But some songs sound really good. Like, My Sweet Lord sounds fantastic. Or, um... Uh... Art of Dying is a really cool song. It's, like, super funky. It, it it's it's kind of like a diverse collection of styles too from George Harrison. Like it's stuff that's a little funky in here. It just it seems so much more complicated than the Beatles in a way. Like just chord progressions and stuff. I don't know. It's it's very uniquely George. It's pretty much like the ultimate fuck you album <laughs> to the other Beatles. Just like you guys keep me down for so long. Look at what I'm fucking capable of. Fuck you. And look at all the eight tracks it look at all these eight tracks <laughs> I wonder if this actually came out on eight track it just came in like a box <laughs> yeah you know I know nothing about eight tracks so I don't no know how much does. you can fit no. on a side because I assume it's like a tape where you flip it over I feel like there's only one slot though to stick it oh. in. I don't know I don't know it's like such I'm incredibly good. outdated technology <laughs> I mean, it was never been close to being around during, like, our generation. I'm Googling how does an 8-track I feel like even when it was around, it's just, like, some people had it in their car. Not, not like, everybody. 
it's just confusing. I don't, even, I don't know how it works. I don't even know if there were cars that came with it, like, pre-made, or if that was something you had to install. <laughs> I'd I, love to see a car that has an 8-track player, like, installed in it. <laughs> like, because that's just so dates that car right away. Sean, you like this album? Yeah, what the fuck is the album art on this one, huh? It's pretty terrible. <laughs> is he surrounded by gnomes? Yeah, he's not even, like, centered. He's... I even have a memory of I've, me and you were looking through your dad's album collection, and you pulled this one out, and your dad walked in, and you asked your dad, he's like, Dad, what was George thinking with this album cover? And your dad seemed, like, instantly annoyed. He was just like, I don't know what he was thinking, John. <laughs> How am I supposed to know? Catch up! We've been pissed about this for 40 years! <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe you'd thought about it a lot. It's like, usually when you see, like, uh, behind the scenes of an, uh, like an album photo shoot, you see, like, a bunch of other kind of shots and takes of that, you know, of what could have been the album mm-hmm. cover, and it's like, this was the best? No, yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think this the vibe of this photo to me is, like, this is like these guys were shooting the album and then they like took a break and someone took a picture of them taking a break and suddenly that became the album cover right somehow like he had these guys in costumes he's got boots on he was probably gonna do something but this is like weird like behind the scenes photos the album art <laughs> I can't even tell what's going on he's got a cowboy hat on and like rain boots it's how you dress for English weather I guess you gotta have gnomes protect your gold. And... I guess it could almost seem lazy. Uh, like, he just fucking did whatever for the album cover. Uh, he just, like, recorded a bunch of songs he already had ready to go. But, uh... It's not, it's not that. I feel like it's, like he was just so spent from putting everything into this album. He's just like, fuck right. it, just, <laughs> just... shoot me sitting in a chair next to some gnomes. Yeah, maybe. Um, how long until he wrote his next album after like recording everything he'd ever written? I feel like it was a couple years. I would hope so. He was doing producing for a little bit. Oh, yeah, he did one in 73. I've heard the one from 74, oddly enough. I've heard some other George albums. I like the one from 74. His other stuff is weird. Um... In a good way, though. But it's never... He never reached, like, what he got on... Like, did on this album. Like, it's kind of like... He just used every good idea he had, and he's like, I'm done. Hey, how funny is it that next to George Harrison on this list, we got Mr. John Lennon. That does not sound like John Lennon. With John Lennon slash Plastic Ono Band. Get me... supposed to be who am I supposed to be look at me what am I supposed to be what am I supposed to be or what whatever the fuck you call this album I don't even know is the art like in my iTunes like is the artist John Lennon is it John Lennon and Plastic Auto Band the, the title is the same thing I just always refer to it as Plastic Ono Band. Okay. Just ignore the John Lennon part. It's too confusing. 
this it took me a long time to hear this album i think everyone kind of gravitates towards imagine like when you're going to check out like once you finish listening to the beatles and you're going to check out their solo albums i think you go to imagine so a lot of people probably overlook this one but i think i like this one better actually i probably do too it's definitely for me it's always been kind of a tough listen just because john lennon goes like so deep and personal and like really sort of wrestles with some shit like you know his mother leaving him and the whole i guess crisis of having to deal with the beatles breaking up and where the fuck was he going with his life and i don't know he (laughs) he goes to places that i kind of get uncomfortable like some of these songs are so intimate but that's what's kind of great about it I, i can't think of many pop albums where an artist like gets that personal and just like puts everything on display it's it's really kind of something special Personal is right. The last song is called "My Mummy's Dead." I know. <laughs> it's like the song before that is like talking about like God and how God is a concept to measure our pain. The album was released in Japan under the title "Jono Tamashi," which translates to "John's Soul." <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's actually. what it feels like. That's a better album title than John Lennon slash Plastic Ono Band. Yeah, John Soul. <laughs> John Soul. It's weird that this one is a Phil Spector one because I feel is like it this really? is... It, I yeah, I mean, he's probably just hanging out. <laughs> they just had to, like, restrain him from getting a 80-piece <laughs> no! orchestra in there. I mean, it's basically just John Lennon and Ringo and Klaus Vorman. Like they're the, like that. That's the band basically for most of the album, and mm-hmm. I think a couple other. I see Yoko Ono was playing wind. <laughs> <laughs> Does it specify what that means? Like a wind instrument, or just the it doesn't wind? say. It just says wind. <laughs> you know, I dabble I... in the wind myself. Here's a little solo for you guys. you're gonna like pass gas into the microphone i wouldn't want to break my wind i've got a rare collector's one oh but i see that won't stop you it's just funny that we're talking about like these really serious (laughs) issues and then we're talking about just breaking wind yeah but yeah i love the songs i do definitely gravitate I mean, I like them all, but the, the the lighter ones, like, actually, no, they're not even, like, I was going to say, oh, Look At Me is a nice song, but, like, thinking about the lyrics of this that song, like, Look, at, look me. at Me, What Am I Supposed to Be? Some really existential stuff, even though you did it with a nice melody, so you could kind of forget about it. Yeah, it's just beautiful and emotional, and, yeah, it's not a feel-good listen it's not like oh it's a summer day i'm cruising in my car i'm gonna put on john lennon talking about his terrible relationship with his mother you know mm-hmm. but it's it is an album that you can keep coming back to and kind of exploring what he's talking about and just kind of getting to know john lennon more and for that 
I think it's my favorite post Beatles work from him. Definitely. Way to go, Paul McCartney. Your first album couldn't even make it anywhere near this list. Oh, I forgot. That album's okay, but it just feels like he's dicking around. He's definitely on purpose. Around. He's just like, I'm not in the Beatles, so how about I just make an album that isn't amazing for once? It's just kind of fine. Yeah, but... how about I try out bad? Yeah. <laughs> and that's as close as you can get. See what it's like? My only nominee is uh, the long, long-awaited Say the Full album title. Oh yeah, Sean, say the full title. Discussion we've all been waiting for, and that's a... Of course it's going to say the full title. <laughs> Uh, he's deceiving us. I got it memorized. It's uh, the Kinks's Lola versus Power Man, and the Money Go Round. Do you have an answer? No, there isn't, there isn't one. I feel like... Were, weren't they planning to do a part two? Um, or am I just projecting that? I, I think... I think I'm going to assume that's correct. I see there's a little part on Wikipedia where you can read about it, but I'm, I'm guessing it was something along the lines of they started working on it, and they're like, ugh, I don't... That was enough. One was enough. Let's do something different. <laughs> just like what I, at this point, am sadly assuming uh, Sufjan Stevens' deal is with the 50-state project. It's like, ugh, that one was pretty good. I'll just do something else now. Yeah, I mean, I think we can safely assume that, considering Illinois was ten years ago. I think he's moved on. Yeah, he's only put out, like, three albums since then. Still time. I guess. I really, really, really love this album. It's my favorite Kinks album, which maybe isn't that uncommon. I don't know what 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 are people into when they think the Kinks? Is it their earlier stuff or? I th- I would say it's the middle period stuff, or at least between this and their early British invasion stuff. I don't really know what's going on with the Kinks in most of the seventies. I haven't really checked any of that out. Or do I know if I should? Uh, for me, I was for me. I feel like the best Kinks album is. Village Green Preservation Society, but it, my favorite's probably, uh, what is it called? Victoria. Yeah, it's got some other shit at the end. Yeah, okay, that that's my or favorite. It's, it's, no, it's it's uh it's Arthur. Or Arthur, me. yeah, okay. Victoria's just that song on it. Yeah, <laughs> can't remember the name of it. But I don't know. Maybe this one doesn't stand out as much because it's kind of them getting away from that whole super british period which is fine i still like this album a lot it's just like more of them maybe trying to sound a little more commercial 
It definitely sounds like uh, love. Uh, well, but when you pay attention to the lyrics, it's the exact opposite. It's like they're just super burnt out of the whole music industry. Um, sure. Which, I don't know if I find that as interesting lyrically. I like the specificity of the characters and the describing British life of their other previous albums, but it's kind of cool, too, <laughs> to see them. This has characters. It's got Ape Man. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Lola. Fully realized character, Ape Man. That's one of the few songs that I don't know how it ties into the rest of the theme. I think a lot of the songs do. They're just like a big fuck you to the music industry. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's one reason why the album rocks so much, but there's a lot of other stuff, too. It's a lot of variety. Yeah, there's the song Denmark Street has a part where, like, they talk about, like, he's you you have a song and you play it for the music man and it's like i hate it i hate everything about it but fuck it i'll sign you and see what happens like they's they're tired of this shit and probably uh the best song about that whole vibe is is this time tomorrow which is a song from darjeeling limited well actually there are a couple songs from darjeeling limited but uh that one it's about just like being exhausted about touring but it's it's also a song that like when i listen to it i i hear just like this whole idea of like timeless existence in it and it's it's really weird and beautiful to me and i really like that song uh and then there are a few that just rock like the contenders the very first song on the album starts out like it's just gonna be some acoustic bullshit and it rocks <laughs> And Lola, which also kind of starts out like it's just going to be some acoustic bullshit, but then it turns into this crazy story and really elaborate production. It's a weird song to be a hit. Yeah. It's funny that in all this, like, singing about how, oh, we're sick of, you know, having to make the hit on our album and make our music commercial. I mean, they had that song called Top of the Pops that they somehow still had a hit single <laughs> yeah like one of the biggest ones of their career uh i don't know i don't know if there's irony there or something i mean i don't know it's just interesting i think this is my favorite kinks album too just because because i guess when i think about the kinks i think about how their early years they like really rocked and then they got into that more complicated um kind of pop uh sophisticated english thing and then I feel like this is like sort of a middle ground where it, it rocks, but there's there's still some more like, uh, I don't know if I'd say like poppy songs, but just, I don't know. It's not all just like straight up like hard rock or something. Because mm-hmm. um, I feel like in later years, the Kinks kind of just went down doing too much of just like weird generic rock. So this is kind of all those things meeting together and amalgamation of things that I like. I think that's why it stuck with me. I mean, they're just good songs. That album cover's weird, though. It's like a diagram or something. I think that's Ray and Dave Davies' face put together. (laughs) That's always been my guess. I've never confirmed that. I assume it looks like them. Do that or like a weird half-beard hairstyle. Maybe it's Ray Davies and Jesus. I don't know where they are. I mean, could it be that they're... Well, but the beard goes on. I was going to say maybe it's like half man, half woman to tie in with the song Lola. 
But then, no, now that I look at it again, the beard clearly does go. Or is that the beard? I don't know. What did, what did you guys stance on Lola? Is is it a cross-dressing? Is it a transgender thing? Is it just a manly woman? It's. I think it's cross-dressing. I think it's a true story. They saw their manager, like, dancing and, like, spending the evening with this person that he thought was a woman but was not a woman i think that's the story it's pretty funny it's yeah good to get a <laughs> little uh i mean yeah that's i don't that's not been pulled out very often to turn someone's embarrassing story into a gigantic hit song that everyone knows 40 years later uh what about billy jean there you go i don't know i'm just this <laughs> i just thought that'd be funny but then it seemed like everyone's like well maybe maybe is isn't it though about like some is girl it? that was saying that michael jackson or she had michael jackson's kid or something i feel like i might so fuck you're telling me the one joke example I yeah it is might a be real a real example <laughs> just kind of stumbled well, God into damn that. it. why did i just say like Enter Sandman or something. Why, why did I have to go for one that... <laughs> that actually is the thing that it was not supposed to be. I don't know. It just kind of happened. Goops. <laughs> That's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like it. Of course, that's the way... Isn't that a song I'm on pretty sure it album? is, but that was <laughs> lost no on <laughs> And that album being uh, Led Zeppelin 3 by Led Zeppelin. Is that song not on this album? I, I, that's what, I think that's on Led Zeppelin 4. <laughs> my favorite Led Zeppelin album. Is that weird? No, because I've always known it because you've said it before. Okay. But <laughs> it's a little yeah, weird. It's... it's a weird okay. choice because it's their album that doesn't rock as much even though it's got one of their most rocking songs ever with the Immigrant song and Out of the Tiles rocks really hard too. But otherwise not so much rock. I'm one of the few people I know who really likes Since I've Been Loving You. I know a lot of people think it's kind of boring. Yeah. But I've always liked that one. I just love that. It's like they have to make you work so hard to get to that part, though. I know. It's just sweet. The soloing on that song is so awesome. Yeah, it's funny. There's a lot of songs in here that actually like aren't really that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's too hard. I, I just don't feel like I've. Like, Celebration Day. Like, that's not like a good song, right? Is it? I like that song. Okay. Well, I guess I guess there's nothing bad on here. It's just. There's. Yeah, that's what it is. There's just. This, the, the more it's rock stuff on here is a little day. weirder. I, I guess it's more the acoustic stuff that people kind of. Uh, go to in this album and appreciate. Like, like Bronyar Stomp. Yeah! That said. I know you like that song, Sean. That's a good song. 
It's like the one of the few songs where John Bonham does backup vocals. At least when they do it live. I don't know if he does it on the album. Oh my god, he does. That's so sweet. <laughs> Just the bass drum on that. God, so cool. They needed to and give I him something I, else to do. I first bought this. I think this was the first Zeppelin album I bought too. So that's probably also another reason it's my favorite, just because it's my first like real Zeppelin album. And I remember putting it on, and I I was familiar with Immigrant Song already, but then that that Friends song comes in. I'm like, what is this? Like, what genre of music is this? Is like folk or? It was just so weird, and there's so many moments on here that are just like so weird that like I can't even like look away. I can't I I can't for the life of me remember what Friends is, so I'm just doing the Friends theme song in my head right now. <laughs> and that would be a wonderful Led Zeppelin cover. Bright light almost blinding. Yeah. Looking for what I knew. <laughs> I've seen a lot of. Maybe not a lot. Two. Two covers of songs off his album in real life when Max's <laughs> shitty band did. Our, uh, our, our former guitarist. Yeah, Max uh, Brockman, former guitarist and solid dude. Did uh, Tangerine, right? Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. I was like, this is, what the fuck is this? I'm sure we went on and we're like, okay, we're going to play a song by Jet. <laughs> Yeah, and I saw like I remember I have a very distinct memory of seeing like some just some fat dude play "That's the Way" at Crossroads Mall, <laughs> and it was really pretty. It, like it looked like it was gonna really suck. Like he's gonna go up there and like, who wants to hear acoustic taking care of business? But then he played this, and it was actually no, it was the next guy that played taking care of business. <laughs> that's that's true. That's a true thing. <laughs> That same night, I heard a guy play Taking Care of Business. He also did Steeler's Wheel and Imagine. Solid set, huh? Weird. Okay. Uh, But yeah, just a lot of interesting stuff on here. Really unique. I don't know if it all works. Probably doesn't. But I guess I just appreciate Uh, the I think it makes it it kind of charming to see Led Zeppelin do a sort of imperfect album like right before they did like the most perfect classic rock album oh yeah i mean that next album's just like tight like every song like it all seems to work so well together it's like only it's only eight songs they're not fucking around Um, but you know it's kind of fun to see them fuck around on this third album totes i'll be there for you (laughs) Cause you're there for me too. Yeah, you know I've been drinking coffee sometimes, and uh, the, the stuff they have at work—it's a total bitch's brew. good one um <laughs> it's, it's sort of related to friends and then also this also how is it there's an album that's not by white british people i know it's so 
weird that I actually put someone who wasn't a white male and probably... God, yeah, like all these are by British people, <laughs> except for CCR, some of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. <laughs> and, oh, wow, I didn't even notice. And, yeah. Sorry. Young's Canadian, he's disqualified. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, this album was kind of a, yeah... I, maybe like John's experience with Led Zeppelin 3 just a strange experience the first time I heard it because I was a teenager and I hadn't really listened to jazz at this point I probably heard like Kind of Blue and maybe a couple Coltrane albums and for some reason I thought this was one to just dive into I guess because it was on the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums list and I was just like I'll check this out this Miles Davis guy but I mean, it sounds nothing like really that it sounded like nothing that had come before, except I guess like Miles Davis's previous album, he sort of hinted at working in more rock based instruments like organ and some guitar and stuff. But this one, it, it's just a crazy mishmash of jazz and funk and R&B and like Jimi Hendrix inspired rock guitar stuff and yeah the first time I arrived I didn't even know if I liked it I don't know what the fuck it was I was just like this is crazy it, it's just, I don't know what this is I don't know if I like it but I listened to it more and more and I just yeah I just learned to really love it and I don't know did you guys even, like, make it through this album? Like, it's got multiple songs that are over 20 minutes. I heard the whole thing. Uh, awesome. I, I found it on YouTube. Okay. And just uh, just synced it up while I started playing Tecmo football mm-hmm. for, you know, 93 minutes. <laughs> and you know what this album made me think about? It made me think about, like, we were like we're making a McTrigger, and then Colin gives me some music, and then I put it in the soundtrack. Like it totally feels like you being a McTrigger for me. I don't know if, if if that's if you guys got that vibe. Maybe that'd be cool. I've always thought like the song. God, which one is it? I think it's Spanish Key. I always feel like would be cool if it was used in a movie because it's it like jams for a bit, but then it's got that and then it gets all tight and awesome. Gosh. Now I just want to do a McTrigger scene. <laughs> for those who don't know, McTrigger is. Uh, Check out on YouTube, Rock McTrigger, uh, Rock Paper Justice, Cold Steel, and then on Vimeo, make sure to check out Heavy Vengeance. It's a trilogy of great uh, white exploitation. <laughs> it makes it sound like it's uh, like neo-Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tribute to black exploitation, but because it has no black people, I guess it's basically just Dirty Harry. <laughs> With a sweet funk soundtrack, mm-hmm. it's not not pro Hitler or something. <laughs> White exploitation. All right, but yeah, this was pretty good. I liked it. All right, cool. I, I didn't really know where it was going sometimes, but it's. I don't yeah, it's feel fun. like the guys in the band knew where it was going. Like I feel like Miles Davis gave them very little direction about what was happening in the music. He's just like, "All right, guys, just play together, man. See what happens." Nah, this is what happened. <laughs> well, I mean, they knew how to There's play music. There's a lot of that music. on the record. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I 
that guy having a heart attack or something? Like <laughs> struggling to play their instruments. They just like forgot how <laughs> for a second or two. The fuck is a bass clarinet? Why did I pick this? Does <laughs> feel pretty bad about decisions he's made in life. <laughs> that is my uh, Benny Moppin impression. Uh, put that uh, on my resume now. Yeah, I think you are the only person he's ever done a Benny Moppin impression. You're gonna try for SNL and like uh, next, I'd like to do Benny Moppin. You <laughs> just go into it, expecting everyone knows what that means. <laughs> Bass clarinet, shit. Famous temper. Mm-hmm. After the gold rush which is our next album by Neil Young Sailing hardships through course we all know uh neil young for his great contributions to the shallow house soundtrack <laughs> did he did he yeah, do there. like a new song for it no, okay <laughs> shallow house shallow he saw right through that gal that's pretty good actually that's pretty yeah. good um gotta say that would be like it and then he just rock for a while I can't remember which song. I, I there definitely was a song on here that was. I think it was after the Gold Rush, the the title track. I think that was the it's one that in was in the Shadow movie. Hell. Yeah, it's, now I remember. Okay, it's during when like Hal is like seeing his father die or something. Wow, Yikes. movie. I know. It's right? Heavier than I would have expected from that movie. You guys ever saw that movie? Never. You haven't seen Shallow <laughs> Hal? That's where I heard of the band Phoenix. Yeah. Because that's the next song in the movie. It's a pretty good soundtrack for such a terrible film. Here's here's a weird little thing. I I don't want to just talk about Shallow Hal for the whole I podcast. Because I'll get free. a chance to do that eventually. Mm-hmm. But anyways, there's one part where Jason Alexander, who's his, Jack Black's best friend... <laughs> Mm-hmm. go figure uh he's like there's this girl that likes jason alexander but he doesn't want to date her because he's like super shallow because she has like really gross toes but she's like oh, i was gonna go see this uh beatles reunion concert where they got it's gonna be george harrison uh ringo star paul mccartney and eric clapton filling in for john lennon it's only gonna be a crowd of 100 people and he doesn't want to go with her because she's got gross toes but by the time that movie had come out george harrison was dead yeah. so and it's still in the movie, so it's really weird. Um, why would you come up with that too? Like the most unbelievable concert, <laughs> just Cause... to show how shallow he is. It's like that's the most shallow anyone could ever be. Yeah. Even though you later find out, Jason Alexander has a tail, mm-hmm. <laughs> little piggy tail. See, Sean knows. You've seen it, right? Oh Shana? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jack Black, though, he's good. Just like Neil Young. Uh, they both have a lot of anger in them and excitement. I don't know why with anger. This isn't really a very angry album. It's actually a very beautiful album. Neil Young didn't get angry until he got old. 
probably got pissed off about like taxes and shit. Uh, yeah, he's pissed off and like about Richard Nixon and stuff. But this is like his more mellow one. Uh, just beautiful, folky stuff. He's got such a pretty voice. I think it's my favorite Neil Young. I don't know. There's a lot. Of, there's a handful of good ones. Now, where do you guys stand on after the Gold Rush? Uh, I like it. I just feel like I need to go through a Neil Young phase again. Like it's been so mm. long since I've listen to much of his albums i don't know i feel like it'd be nice if i could find some of his albums on vinyl or something but i just feel like i haven't given the man as much respect as he deserves (laughs) but i mean yeah just off the top of my head i'd probably say it's his best album man this is uh i heard the first time i heard this was on vinyl actually my dad's record collection this and then i listened to harvest Harvest, I thought, is a little harder to get into because it starts as a kind of country album, and then suddenly there's the London Symphony Orchestra for some reason. They were just really easy to book back then. (laughs) But yeah, I don't have a lot to say about this album. It's just really pretty. Which is pretty much exactly the same as I have to say about the next album. It's just really pretty. It's uh, Brighter Later by Nick Drake. You have to spell it because no one would guess that. B R Y T E R space L A Y T E R. I need you, you to do that for satisfied? my reference later because I have no idea what this is. Okay. You, you've heard of Nick Drake, though, right? Yeah. I think you may, yeah. It's just one of his other albums. Yeah. And he's known as like a acoustic folk ghost. Acoustic folk ghost. He's, <laughs> you know, wrote songs that were super sad and introspective. And this is probably like the happiest he ever sounded it's sort of got like a kind of a jazzy flavor to this album sort of combined with his whole british folk thing and i don't know i just really like it it's a weird mixture of styles that's really pretty it's got quite a bit of flute on it too and it probably is my favorite of the three nick drake albums I realized that Pink Moon is probably just the best, but something about hearing Nick Drake do this strange hybrid of jazz and folk and pop music, I guess, that works for me. Yeah, I think that's the appeal for it, because the first one is mostly folk, but it's got a lot of other instruments on it, like flute. He likes flute. Yeah. and then the, the the last album is just him and his guitar, and this one is, yeah, it's like there's, the, like like a poor boy. I mean, like that, that guitar sounds so jazzy, and then it's like got the piano. It's like that is jazz piano. I don't care what anyone says. That's jazz piano. 
And you wouldn't think that, like, British folk and, like, jazz would, like, blend so seamlessly, but it works really well, I, especially with his low baritone voice. Makes it, like, the most relaxing thing ever. Yeah. And, yeah, it probably is his, like, least, like, sad album. <laughs> the other ones are pretty sad, and this one's a little less sad. Uh, like, I mean, Hazy Jane 2, that's, like, one of the first songs in the album. It's got It's kind of upbeat with, like, the trumpets and stuff. Yeah, I do have to wonder if this was like his attempt at making a pop album that might bring him some success, and then he got so sad that it didn't that he made Pink Moon, and then killed himself. Or did he? (laughs) Are there Dick Drake conspiracy theories? I mean, he went to his room and took a bunch of drugs and died, and there's no note. I don't think anybody knows whether it was intentional or not. Oh, okay. Very sad. There's not even any video of him, really. Just, like, a few pictures of him. He's like the Sasquatch of rock and roll. (laughs) It's like no one's sure if they ever really saw him. But his music's there. played live, like, not that many times, right? Just, like... If, yeah, like, like, people can't even agree, like, how many times he actually played or if they actually saw him. Like, it sounds like he did play live sometimes, but... He didn't really... And then people are saying, like, the shows are, like, terrible. Yeah. Like, he just kept having to tune his guitar because he uses really weird tunings. And he's giant, too. He's, like, six foot four. Hmm. You can You can tell by the album cover, this one, that he's giant. If you look at those shoes, those are the shoes of a tall man. (laughs) I'm surprised he doesn't have more of a cult following with like kids that are like, parents don't understand me. <laughs> he feels like he'd be right up their alley. Yeah. So hopefully that happens. At some... No, not hopefully. That would ruin it. That would ruin it. <laughs> That's what ruined Joy Division for so many people. These kids being like, look at this sweet shirt I got Hot Topic. These guys are fucking dark. <laughs> So now it's probably, maybe it's better that there's only like a few like there's that select few of people that are fans of Nick Drake. Mm-hmm. Makes it more special when when you get into the music. It's like a special club. Yeah, I should probably do that at some point. I remember we talked about Pink Moon for, on something, and I listened to it, and I was like, oh yeah, this is like really good. Mm. It's only twenty eight minutes. <laughs> you can make time for that. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, you'd probably like this one, too. It's kind of like Sufjan Stevens, I guess. If you had to compare it to something... It's, it's not a bad comparison. That's my only frame of reference anymore. Mm-hmm. Old Sufi. <laughs> I guess. Sufi. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel made an album called Bridge Over Troubled Water, and then they were done. I know some stories of this, but I know one oh. story. Ooh. I don't know any. Which is that um, 
our, gunk, our Garfunkel is like, I'm going to act in Catch-22. And Paul Simon was like, well, fuck you. I'm going to keep making music with us. And so he like wrote all the songs on this album. And specifically, uh, The Only Living Boy in New York is about, like, how he's, like, super pissed that Art Garfunkel is off making Catch-22 while he's doing all the goddamn music work back in NYC. But didn't he always do all the work? I mean, that's what we all assume. (laughs) The only Art Garfunkel song I can ever remember is Voices of Old People, which is the worst song that they ever did because it's not a song. I mean, there's... Like, if you're around, if you're, like, putting in the effort to show up, even if you don't do the writing, that's one thing. But if he's, if he's like, so. I'm going to go do be the, the whole acting thing instead of focus on this band, it's like, okay. Okay, I see how it is. Yeah. No, I get it now. But, I mean, it's okay, because he showed up to sing the song Bridge Over Troubled Water, which is, you know, one of the most, like, achingly beautiful vocal performances ever. It's, it's pretty good. Also, uh, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the Simon and Garfunkel records, like, they weren't really sure sort of what context to put their songs and, like, what kind of sound to go for. And I really like how they went for this really, like, big echo-laden sound with this album. It, it does it does kind of have, like, a, a loneliness factor to it. Like, I, I like how echoey... You know, the only living boy in New York and the boxer have to it. It's like, it does. It feels like it's just them in this entirely empty New York City just singing their songs. It's cool. We still got time for making love, though. Cecilia? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the fun song. But I get Pretty much. The loneliness. It's like the fun song. <laughs> you gotta have the fun song. You know, just like on Led Zeppelin 3, how you got uh, Gallows Pole. It's a fun song. But yeah, like the first like six songs on this album are like so awesome. <laughs> it feels so stupid just saying, they're so awesome. They're just, they're just good. Sean, what the hell is so good, so goddamn funny? Uh, I know I keep talking about album arts, but the single for Cecilia... It's, I guess, them in the studio just being shocked <laughs> by what the song sounds like. I'm not there yet. I'm looking at it. It's mostly their producer guy or whoever this other dude is in the picture. It's like, what? Yeah, Simon and Garfunkel are both, like, looking kind of stunned off off screen. They definitely look concerned. <laughs> and, and their producer is like, I've got to I gotta do something about this. He's, like, leaping out of his chair. I have no idea why they would go with this. Really Apparently weird. in 1970, you, you just shat out a cover everywhere you went. And they just printed that. Maybe again, it was like a behind-the-scenes thing. <laughs> like, this is the best one. <laughs> I wonder what they're doing there. Everyone in the 70s is just making it up as they go along. <laughs> Which is why we like 70s albums so much, because that's what we're all about. My God. Yeah has come full circle uh, should we come full circle and talk about our final album and the final album by the Velvet Underground
said when she was just five years old There was nothing happening at all Every time she puts on the radio there was it feels like another one where they were just like Oh right, we're finally gonna do it We're gonna make a commercial sounding album And we're finally gonna make somebody And get the respect we deserve And it didn't really happen But... <laughs> This album is really awesome. I would say it's definitely the most approachable album in the Velvet Underground's catalog. Um, yeah, it's more like a straight up, I don't know, hard rocking album, but it's more like a precursor to glam rock in a way. I feel like a lot of glam rock bands kind of sounded like this. I mean, even Mott the Hoople covered that song sweet jane sweet jane. yeah on one of their albums yeah even mot the hoop even mot the hoop plus it's got that guy doug he's pretty good doug uh doug, Ye- doug funny doug yule <laughs> yeah, i'm going with what i said doug funny <laughs> hey my name's lou reed <laughs> check out the studio very expensive <laughs> Uh, and apparently Skeeter's here too Someone in the band Sterling Morris and his Skeeter He's... I had no backup All I could give you was a <laughs> I'm glad I you did I couldn't think of any other Doug voice But no, you kept it alive long enough Where I could do Lou Reed Who's apparently Mr. Dink I know that the bully's uh, named Roger but Is he talk like this? Pretty, pretty, pretty much good. Hey funny that guy's dick. All right, uh, underground. <laughs> Anything else? Yes. You didn't say much. Uh, I was just going to say that I like that Doug guy's contributions to the band. I feel like throughout history, I feel like history has been pretty hard on him. Yeah. Um, but I think he's a good singer and good bass player. I mean, I I think a lot of hate also goes with the fact that he technically did like release another album with under the name The Velvet Underground, even though it's just him. It's a solo album. But uh, so it's not technically the last one. Yeah. If we're gonna get technical. Uh, but aside from that, I feel like this guy was a nice addition to the band. Um, it's kind of nice to see Lou's songs realized through like another person and like that they still worked. I don't think it has Maureen Tucker on it. I think it has some other guy playing drums because she was like pregnant uh, Doug, or something. It's Doug Yule's brother on two songs and then some other dudes. And probably their brothers. <laughs> okay. They weren't even like a real band anymore. I don't know how this was so good. Yeah. I think Lou Reed's songs are just that good. It doesn't really matter who's on the songs. Mm-hmm. But it does matter what's on this list. Because we didn't cut anything because they're all too good. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> it's hard to mess with any of them. They're all classics, basically. God damn it. Uh, this sucks. I guess can we can we, we can take yeah. off Nick Drake if you want to. Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, should we like try to solidify the ones that are definitely on it? Does that make it easier? I don't think so. Like okay, it, it makes make it more sense, I think, to pick away at the ones that are questionable. Okay. Um, which... anyone can pick off anyone's I put on there. I just don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I could do with that. Uh, too, deja too sensitive. Vu. Okay. Thank you. 
even though I feel like Sean had my back on that one. I, I'd like to believe I would. Oh, shit, I put it on the list. Now, where am I putting this? Some crazy shit going on in this spreadsheet. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm not saying that I wouldn't like Bitches Brew. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that I haven't gotten to it yet. That's fine. I wasn't even expecting you to listen to it. I don't think you'd like it that much. <laughs> You're not really a jazz guy at all. Or a drug guy. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. There's still got to be one still of the young. two. <laughs> um, They're just like a dick who like hangs out in record stores and talks about like real jazz. <laughs> you be that guy. I feel like people who like real jazz don't even like bitches brew. I mean, they probably don't like anything. I mean, they like stuff you've never heard of. Yeah. Like, this guy only recorded one album. It's really bad quality. And then he shot himself. And he's also my uncle. (laughs) (laughs) And he works for Nintendo, and he can get you, like, the passcode. (laughs) That you can uh, get to the secret level in Mario. I don't even know what that means. I to- for some reason that makes total sense. Okay, I'm not. That's a thing kids do. They're always talking about like my uncle or such and such works at this, and he could get me like, like the N64 before it comes out. I feel like it's a very specific thing to the Seattle I area. I totally got of, it. Like, yeah, kids whose uncle works at Nintendo because it's in or Xbox. Yeah, you remember the Fat Sherman song. My uncle got me uh, Halo <laughs> 3. Now I get to play two days early. <laughs> Those two days make all the difference. <laughs> How'd that part go? You, you guys keep going. I'm thinking about that. That, was, that, part <laughs> of that great Fat Sherman song. Find Fat Sherman on the internet if you can. I, I, I can't even artist. find it on the internet. <laughs> it's a mission. I'll hook you up. Find it. So how um, many do we have here? I can't even tell. Cause we've I got, I think... We're not doing 12 it okay, right now. 12. So the ones that are like jumping out to me, uh, again, like no disrespect intended. Uh, all things must pass is pretty long. Like yeah, you can, you can do that. Like it's, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of album. That's fine. Okay. I'm just thinking. Sorry, I'm just thinking. Fast Sherman. <laughs> Master Chief was on my phone. It was just my uncle, though. He works at Bungie, and he got me Halo Three. Now I get to play two days early. That's that's yeah. that's great <laughs> lyricism. Nothing, nothing quite equals that on this list. Um, I guess I could maybe do without Layla. I'm not in love with all of it. There's definitely a lot of blues jamming on it that I'm just kind of like, whatever. I mean, for the sake of progress, you just do it because there's, uh, there's too many good yeah. ones. I like all of them, so I'm not gonna be, I'm gonna be upset about every it's cut, like, but we, those cuts gotta happen. We have picked a harder year to do this for. There's an interesting question. Okay, how many do we have left? We got we ten. ten. So now it's time for the list. I could put Cat Stevens on the lower end. Just because it doesn't rock as much as some of these, I guess. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. 
you can you can say stuff, John. Anything? What you said. Okay, I'm on your side. Fine, I'll just make the whole list. <laughs> Tag team, back again. Um, um, let's see. I mean, I, I would put Lola lower, but you guys seem to like it a lot. I don't know. What do you think, Sean? I I could put it lower, even though I like it a lot. I could maybe put Zeppelin three lower too. It's fine. I could put everything lower. <laughs> yeah, you guys care about this way more than I do. I like, think so. Uh, <laughs> Lola's. Well, I mean, I'm gonna listen to Nick Drake next, but after that, <laughs> Lola's probably the one I'd, I'd go listen to. Yeah. I just really like that album, but it doesn't have to be super high, I guess. I'm not. I don't disagree with any of these picks. I, I'm totally fine with any order right now. There's not a clear favorite for me. It's like, it's like if you just had a bunch of sweet magic rocks. You're like, dude, which is the sweetest of these magic rocks? I'm like, I don't know. They all look really cool. I can't pick. That is, like, I don't know what's number. Yeah, one. that's a problem I'm having looking at this list now. Is I don't know what number one is. I mean, normally you'd think, oh, well, Beatles are probably number one because they're like the Star Wars of music. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. But it's not like they weren't even trying that hard. <laughs> Let God, it be. You know, it's like a really good, like a contender for a really high spot is probably like Bridge Over Troubled Water. Yeah. That's pretty high up there, I right? I feel like it's a pretty perfect album. Pretty much every song on the album I like a lot. Maybe we should like put that at... Oh, is that too crazy? Put that at one and put Beatles at two. I mean, I have like a list of a top ten albums from every year, going to back to like yeah. the mid '60s. I think 1970 number one is Bridge Over Troubled Water. So yeah, I, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we still have this whole other part of the list to worry about. Though. Let's just work backwards. It's anticlimactic, but it's it seems to be the way we're going right now. So let's work from one to ten. Hmm? Yeah, I think it'd be easier. So okay. we, we just put Bridge Over Trouble Water at are one. Are we just putting the Let It Be at number two? I mean, it's funny because like you think of it as like, oh, it's just like their table scraps, but then you think, then you start thinking about the actual songs that are on it. <laughs> pretty great. And you're like, holy shit! I just feel like us, like the three of us, like probably know that album the best, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know yeah. the best. I don't know exactly what that means. Out of all people, probably not. <laughs> I just mean like, because you know, like these lists aren't always like, like the best album. Even though we try to do that to some extent, they're like the album that we feel like as a group we can kind of agree on. Um, uh, yeah, it's hard to explain. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, because uh, it's. I don't think it's ever really like what's the best album. It's always just like what's our favorite and. There, there, like in the back of our head, sure there could be some sort of like trying to be unbiased aspect to it, but it's too hard. And and let it be's great, and paranoid's surprisingly great, and Cosmos Factory's great, and uh, John's Soul, great. <laughs> it's it's really frustrating. How did uh? After the gold rush, I didn't feel like people were that talkative about. Yeah, it's not what I return to really out of these 
That's enough. enough. It's number nine. <laughs> it's ten or nine. Okay. Uh, are we, is there an actual list being made somewhere visually? Yeah. Uh, a little behind the scenes. We're in the A column. Oh, I see. In our spreadsheet. See, I was, I was in the, I was in the C column. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> not, not much. <laughs> not much is going on in the C column. No wonder I haven't been able to keep up. I was like, why isn't anybody moving anything? Yeah. So uh, if you guys were wondering how we do this, uh, we use Google Drive, and uh, this is me vamping, so you guys can secretly make the list. Uh, to uh, we, we make a spreadsheet and we list everything and then we just kind of move everything <laughs> through various columns um, working our way up. so like we start in the C column where, with just like a random list of uh, nominees and usually we'll filter some out and then we'll talk about all the nominees and uh, and then you, you, you know the part where we like we gotta get it down to 10 that's how we know what the 10 are and I know it's hard for you as a radio listener because you like you just have to keep it in your brain. We get to look at it and refer to it as a living document. Um, but that's just for us. Also, thank you if you've somehow made it this far. <laughs> Colin, is number three Velvet Underground or Black Sabbath? Those are my Yeah, it's, my it's definitely one of those two. I'd Black probably, Sabbath. Velvet Underground is the cool pick. Exactly. That's why it's got to be Black Sabbath. But Black Sabbath is the badass pick. <laughs> Hell yeah. There's like, a difference. Dude. I just feel like, come on. Oh we, you said it. Like, if you're going to even try to care about Black Sabbath, it's because of this album. And is that true with Velvet Underground? I don't think so. It's, I, uh, yeah. I mean, Black Sabbath, War Pigs, Iron Man, and Paranoid are all, those are the only songs everyone knows. <clears throat> like, if you're not really into them. And they're all on this album. All right. Consecutively. Sure. Put it at three. It's awesome. God, we're so unhit for that, but like we're kind of badass for it. There. I've done it. I've finished the list for you guys. Okay. Does anyone have any problem? It's close enough. Whatever. Just read it off. I don't even care. Yeah. It's, they're all so good. So our top ten albums of 1970 are Cat Stevens, T for the Tiller Man. A lot of T's in that. Uh, good thing I got my pop filter going. Number nine, Neil Young after the Gold Rush. Number eight, Led Zeppelin. Three. Uh, number seven, John Soul. Number six, Creedence Clearwater Revival. Cosmos Factory. Number five, The Kinks. Lola versus the Power Man and the Money Go Round. Part one. Uh, number four, The Velvet Underground. Loaded. Number three, Black Sabbath. Paranoided. Number two, The Beatles. Let it be. And number one. Uh, those old friends, Simon and Garfunkel, and their bridge over troubled water. So this is the end of our uh, Mad Men annual list podcast. Um, doesn't mean anything else <laughs> symbolically, but uh, I mean it does mean the end of Mad Men. Yeah, Mad Men will be gone. Yeah. So like, enjoy it while it's still new. If you can, if you have it in you. And uh, if you've got anything left after that, head on over to mildlyplease.com to read about stuff that we write and find more stuff that we do in other media. And subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for Mildly Pleased uh, if you're just the coolest guy in town. And for all the ladies out there, you can bing Mildly Pleased to see what happens. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next time.
When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me, speaking words of wisdom, super cool. And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me, speaking words of wisdom, super cool. A super Super cool, yeah, super cool. A whisper, words of wisdom, super cool. It's as satisfying to me as uh, coming is, you know, as uh, having sex with a woman and coming. So, can you believe how much I am in heaven? I'm like uh, getting the feeling of coming in the gym, I'm getting the feeling of coming at home, I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people, I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day and night. I mean, it's terrific, right? <laughs> so, you know, I'm in heaven.